Welcome to Veteran State of Mind. I'm Geraint Jones and I want to wish you a very happy new year. Glad to have you guys with us. Um, we have great guests to kick off the new year. We have a bunch coming at you this month. Uh, before we get into it, obviously, we don't have these episodes behind the paywall. They are free to listen to and I think you get a lot of value out of them. So all that we ask is that if you enjoy today's episode or if you do take something away from it that you find useful, please tell a friend make a post or leave a review. Please do that for every episode this year that you enjoy, guys. Um, it's very important to help us to help us grow. As I've mentioned before, you know, we get mess- messages on the podcast from you guys listening who have been helped by something a guest has had to say, or maybe you've just enjoyed Ransom Bands and it got you through a hard week. Uh, there are millions of vets out there and we want to reach the ears of all of them uh, to at least give them a chance to say, I want to listen to this, or this is a load of shit. Let's give people um, the chance. All right, today's guest. I first came across him on an episode of the MFCEO project with Andy Fasella, I think back in uh, 2016. So it was an absolute pleasure to get to chat with him today. Um, I'm going to read you a short little bio. Ryan Mickler is a husband, father, Iraq combat veteran, and the founder of Order of Man and the Iron Council. Ryan grew up without a permanent father figure and has seen firsthand how a lack of strong, ambitious, self-sufficient men has impacted society today. He believes many of the world's most complicated problems could be solved if men everywhere learned how to be better husbands, fathers, businessmen and community leaders. It has now become his life's mission to help men across the planet step more fully into their roles as protectors, providers and presiders over themselves, their families, their businesses and their communities. I really enjoyed this chat, guys, and I'm very happy to be able to kick off the new year in style with Ryan. Please give a very warm welcome to Mr. Ryan Mickler. What's up, mate? Hey, what's up, man? How are you? Oh, good, mate. Thanks for thanks for coming on today, mate. Thanks for giving up. Uh, thanks for giving us your time. Oh no, I'm excited, man. I'm not giving up anything. I've been looking forward to a call, so it's all good. This has become the unofficial way of beginning the podcast right now because obviously I'm a bit of a book fiend, and every time we have people on, so I'm down in the, I'm down in Peter's studio, but obviously we have people calling in from the home offices and stuff, and I'm always like, ooh, books. Like you got the, got the shelf going on. What's what? What kind of um, just generally? What have you got on there? I listen to mostly self help stuff or read. I shouldn't say listen. I read most. I, I don't. I don't listen to a whole lot of audiobooks. I read them. So a lot of self help stuff. Um, yeah, I don't get into fiction too much. The only the only fiction books lately that I've really enjoyed is uh, Jack Carr series. It's been pretty good. Mm. Uh, yeah, but outside of that, I mean, it's, uh, one book that I actually really, really like probably my, one of my favorite, if not my favorite books and stories of all time is, uh, endurance, uh, endurance by Alfred Lansing, I believe is the author. It's about Ernest Shackleton's, uh, adventures across the Antarctic that, uh, didn't go quite according to plan, but, uh, yeah, so that I just got this <laughs> book in the mail. Um, Stephen Kotler, he wrote Stealing Fire and what was the other one he wrote? Oh, The Rise of Superman. Yeah, so he's coming out with this new book right here, The Art of Impossible. And this one's actually really good so far. So it's not quite available yet, but uh, just doing some research for the podcast. I always think with books, it's just one of the things you, you should always, always recommend a few books to people. And you've done, you've, you, someone's had value already if they just come away with a few a few books i, I want to talk about your own writing and stuff later but um while, while you're on the subject of actually of jack and uh you know it's um 
when I, I've had like Jack on the podcast, who you've had on, I've had Stephen on, who you had on, and, and I just kept I just kept coming across your podcast again and again when I was researching the guests that we were having on here. So I want to say thank you, one for your time today, and also for providing me great um, and enjoyable podcast preparation for my other guests. Good man, that's that's the goal. If I could put any value out into the world, man, that's what I want to do. I sometimes I feel like I'm hit or miss, but uh, occasionally I'll get an email or message, or somebody will tell me, you know, this one thing you said this one time served me and that's what it's all about so i'm i'm glad to know that well, it's funny because i first actually came across you uh on andy's podcast um back in uh 2016 okay so i really i really listened to that but that because that's where i that's where i knew you from initially um which by the way to that like four years ago when you were first on with andy that's that must like that's gone fast <laughs> yeah it's gone fast and i i mean i haven't gone back and listened to that podcast andy and i did another podcast about i don't know five six months ago mm-hmm. and i imagine that it's like polar opposites of maybe not what I said, but just the way that I delivered it and communicated it. So maybe at some point I'll have to go back and and revisit the growth over the past four or five years. It's actually really interesting, dude, because like I think Andy's one of the best podcasters, um, you know, out there in terms of like performance of and delivery and everything. I think he's he's brilliant. Um, but like you go back and listen to that episode, and he'd be the first to tell you this as well. Um, you know, Andy's a friend of this podcast and a great, great dude. So I'm not saying anything out of turn. He, he, he'd agree. But you go back and listen to it now, and the production of the podcast compared to where it's now is obviously totally different, as it should be. Because yeah, I mean, you that's do, the point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and um, I, I, I think that that's um, that that's such a cool thing that people like like Andy leave up his older ones. So you can see that, like linear, like that, that, that progression on it, um, and you know, there's, there's so much stuff I want to dig into today, dude. Because you have the podcast going on, you got the whole order of man in general, your service. But I want to take it back right to the beginning at first, because so much starts at childhood, and I want to know a bit, bit about yours. So, and so, can you tell us just generally, like, where did you grow up? Uh, who did you grow up with? Who was in the house with you? You know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah, I had a great childhood. You know, a lot of the times when I talk about my childhood, I talk about the context of my father not being around because, you know, I, I think that's pretty common for a lot of guys. And so I, I share those experiences because I think it helps me resonate with the guys and um, they can see what what you're capable of even outside of less than ideal circumstances. But truth be told, man, I had a great childhood. You know, I grew up for the most part in... Uh, Southern California when I was about mm, 13, I think, 14 years old. Uh, my mom got remarried and her and her new husband decided that she didn't want to raise uh, myself and my sister in Southern California, which I think was actually a very good call. I was getting into trouble. I was running around with the wrong mm. crew. Oh, I got yeah. suspended from <laughs> school. I was fighting. like It just wasn't going well. So they moved us to this very small town in Southern Utah. And I remember sitting in the, uh, we, we were at a, the hotel restaurant and we were going through floor plans of houses from magazines. And my stepfather was very successful uh, with his business. And so he built a house, you know, he bought some land and built a house and he let us have some say and not, not everything, but some say in the matter. And it was really cool. Um, so we moved to this small town in Southern Utah. And man, I, I'm telling you, I, I would not trade that for the world. That was such a good thing for me. Um, I, I made some friends very, very quickly. They got me there early before my freshman year of high school started. And uh, they got me there for football summer camps and things like that. And so I was able to assimilate and make friends very quickly and got introduced to a different way of life, a very uh, 
more of a traditional way of life and a conservative approach to to the way that uh, I operate my own life now. And man, just just an unbelievable experience. You know, there's things that I wish, like I wish my father was around more. I wish we had a better connection. Uh, I wish my stepfather would have been, you know, more successful in other areas of his life outside of just the business endeavors. He was very good at that, and not so good at other things. Uh, but generally speaking, man, my mom took care of us. She she showed me what it meant to be a hard worker. She worked two, three jobs at a time to make sure, uh, even after her separation with with my stepfather at the time, that that we always had a roof over our head. That we didn't ever have to worry about money. I mean, looking back at it now, I think, man, I don't know how she did it. I, I, Things were probably not as good as mm. I, I, I was led to believe. Not that she was lying to me, but she and, and not even sheltering. But she said, "You know, I'm going to take care of these things." And she just brunted the the or or or, or shouldered the the brunt of the of the work and never really disclosed to us how difficult it must have been. Which I actually learned is like, don't bitch and moan and complain and gripe. Like, just do your work. She was a mother and she did her work. Nobody cares about your excuses. Nobody cares about what you're going through. We're all going through shit. So just deal with it and get your work done. And I learned that from her. Um, so it was a good childhood, man. I had a lot of good friends, played sports. My mother raised me well, had a great sister, still have a great sister. Um, life was good. Life was really good. I think that's something really important to take away there because we'll. I don't want to talk too much about older man now because I want to talk about that later. But I think it's fair to say that just because you identify an area that was you could have been improved upon from your childhood doesn't mean you have a bad childhood. Too too often now people are, oh well this 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 one thing wasn't right for me, so my fucking childhood sucked. Yeah, it's like well no, it's like there was an well because you get attention when you do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But I I'm glad that you said that because that's a very important thing to think. Where it's just like hey, you know what? Like, and this I think is going to be a theme that we probably get throughout today's podcast is it's good. Let's make it better. I don't think it's complaining to to acknowledge you know, some things that are wrong, you know, and, 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 and they'll use it as some sort of like victim virtue card. Like they play this card and then mm. unfortunately in, in much of society and culture, they're actually rewarded through attention and other resources. If you're a quote unquote victim, even if you really weren't. So could you say I was a victim? I mean, maybe, I guess, I don't know. I, to me, that would be a stretch. <laughs> I don't think I was a victim of anything, but people yeah. love to play that victim card. I, I made a post. In fact, I, I just want to read it verbatim because it's very important. Yeah, go for it. I'm going to pull up Twitter here real quick because I can't remember exactly what I said, but this is a very important point. Here's what I said. I said, for many, perceived virtue has become more important than actual virtue. For these people, what others think of them is more valuable than what and who they actually are. And I think if that isn't a perfect indication of the direction of a lot of society. I mean, I don't know what is. And and so people complain and they gripe and they moan and they bitch and woe is me. And look at all these things that happened to me. I don't care what happened to you. I mean, a lot of these things are unfortunate, but I've seen people rise out of the most tragic and horrific circumstances. And if those people can do it, you certainly can. So your excuses and your victimhood hold no weight with me. You know, you can live in this perpetual state of victimhood or you can say yeah this bad shit happened to me and and because of it i learned these things and i'm going to be a better human being because of it it's almost like we have this thing of like so it's kind of me and andy were talking about something similar the other day which was um you know they're they're pushing against people's rights they're they are living behind twitter screens they're they are um the, the people who are these you know like let's call them the facts the fact checkers and uh, and people who are trying to impose wills on other people's way of life and they, because they live their life through a phone, 
they think that life is virtual almost that theirs is almost a virtual reality whereas it isn't you know that's that that is it's a fake world and it and and you've been in the military i've been in the military you know you can say everything you want on twitter or do anything you want on there but at some point if someone kicks your door in and comes and drags you out of bed you're gonna have a very rude awakening and what you think and believe about the world isn't going to matter because the reality is going to be in your face and i think it's the same with what you're saying about this um well you know i had this bad thing happen to me and that bad thing happened to me they're building that this a virtual reality of that well that because that stuff happened therefore i should be treated well well no it doesn't work like that like that bad stuff happened to you but there's no one coming to rescue you because of that you have to do this work yourself well look i've spent some time in the outdoors over the past three years i got into hunting in 2017 a good friend of mine colin cottrell invited me on a hunt and unlocked an entirely different perspective i'd never considered before and as I walk around in the wilderness and I try to shoot deer and, and elk, nature doesn't give a shit about your situation and your circumstances. Like when I stock up on a deer, that deer wants to stay alive just as much as I want to kill it, right? Or who knows, maybe I've been stalked by a mountain lion or a bear or something. I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't had those close encounters, but that animal wants to kill me as bad as I want to stay alive. So we've, here's the amazing things about uh, thing about human beings is we've created this incredible culture and society where we're safe and we're secure and we're comfortable and all of that stuff is wonderful advancements and opportunity and technology. Like we're talking about here, all of that stuff is wonderful, but at times we forget we're animals. We'll talk about this in the context of this pandemic, you know, that we're running through right now. Like COVID doesn't care who you are, you know? So I see some of these rules like, you know, don't, don't have more than 10 people or, 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 or close your doors at 10 o'clock at night. COVID doesn't care. Nature doesn't care. It does not discriminate and not give a second thought about who you are. And so we, what we've done, I think generally and collectively is we've placed ourselves on some pedestal like we're above nature. We're above the environment. We're not. People are evil. There's horrific situations and circumstances. And what we need to do is we need to make ourselves more capable of dealing with the things that are trying to kill us. We need to develop skill sets that will protect us and help us to thrive and help the people around us thrive. And outside of that, the rest is pretty much just a story that you've conjured up to keep yourself safe, complacent, and comfortable. And, and I want to deal in reality. And the reality is, is that people, some people are evil. Some people hate you just because you exist or because you represent some ideology that they don't agree with, that nature is going to find a way to break you down and kill you and you will not escape alive. And my job is to figure out what I can do to take care of my own livelihood and my own myself and my tribe. That's my family, my community members, my neighbors, and even in my case, people that listen to the podcast and are tapped into the mission of what we're doing. For those people listening that don't know um, Southern Utah, it's one of the most beautiful areas, I think, in the world um, and a very outdoors area. So I'm sure you probably saw this in play or heard about this in play growing up. People that came from, say, Southern California for a weekend, went up hiking or didn't do the right preparation, and nature fucked them. Yeah, I mean, there's a hike. So we don't actually live in Southern Utah anymore. Uh, We're in Maine uh, now, but I lived in Southern Utah for... 20 years off and on, you know, I, I was doing some other things and, but home base was always Southern Utah for me. 
Uh, it's amazing. You're right. It's absolutely amazing. There's this hike. Uh, we were right at the base of Zion National Park. A lot of your listeners probably have, have gone. Have you been to Zion? I, I haven't been to Zion. It was on the list for this year. So uh, COVID got that one, but next year I'll be on it. You'll get to it. But yep. man, I'm telling you, it's absolutely amazing. And so we were about 20 minutes from the entrance of the park. It's a national park. Uh, and there's this hike called Angel's Landing. Have you looked into this at all? Yeah. Like that's, yeah. Dude. <laughs> people, people put like, pause. Look it up right now. Pause Google Angels Landing and then come back to us. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you walk up this thing and it's not like it, it's not an aggressive hike. It's not it, it's 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 not that difficult physically, but mentally, I mean, it'll screw with you, dude. Cuz mm-hmm. you're walking up and you come up to these switchbacks and the switchbacks just kind of go back and forth up by I think 15 steps or whatever it may be. Uh, and that's the easy part. And then you get past that and it's like, okay, game on. Cause now it's like this small little trail and it's, you know, three feet wide, five feet wide in certain areas. And you're walking up the spine of this ridge and to your left and to your right is a thousand foot sheer drop. If you make a oh wrong step, God. you're done. You're out game over. Oof. And they've, they've staked these metal poles into the trail with a chain. And so you're like clinging onto the chain as you're walking up this thing. And I've done it three or four times now. Every year, inevitably, somebody falls. Somebody falls. And I and I just can't help but wonder why is it that they fall? Like why? You know, you're walking up this thing. You're steady. You've got a chain that you're holding onto. You've got other people around you. It's scary as shit for sure. But why would you fall complacency? You know, you get too comfortable and you don't realize the ramifications or, 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 or the results and the consequences of the game you're playing and you take it too easy and you make one wrong step and you're done, man. And nature doesn't care. Nature doesn't, you know, try to rescue you and extend the, the branch that you can hold onto and still some, no, nature will destroy you. So be vigilant, not just against nature, but human nature and life in general. And that's why I talk about skill acquisition as being a very, very crucial thing to your well-being because you never know when you're going to deal with your own angel's landing, whether that's a violent encounter, a natural disaster, angel's landing itself, or any other circumstance that you may find yourself in. Anyone listens to the podcast, well, I'm an absolute America file. I love America. And um, one of the reasons why is I love the outdoors of America. I, I just think it's, it's breathtaking. Um, and I think American American people and American men, to make this more specific, have held on to, and by no means all American men, let me say, but enough American men have held on to the traditions of hunting, outdoorsmanship. I f- it's, it's something of a lost art in Western Europe now. Um, and it's one of the things that really attracts me and a lot of other people to living in America because I do. I've never hunted apart from men, <laughs> but you know, I want to. <laughs> Everything I wanna else look. is inferior yeah. to that. Let me but, just yeah, tell you. It's like, but I've hunted dudes, but now it's like I want. But I want to. I want to. I want to be. I want to go out and hunt. You know, I want to provide my own food. And you guys, you guys have that. Is that something that you think Americans recognize how lucky they are to have that at home? I don't think we've. I think we've been sedated. I'm trying to think about how to word this. I'm, I, I'm not going to say that we've like been deliberately sedated, but I think we have just created this, like I said earlier, this incredible life and it's created a lot of complacency and content that is dangerous. It's very dangerous. 
Uh, but I think there are a lot of individuals, you know, Western societies, specifically in America, we were founded on rugged individualism. I mean, what the hell would possess an individual to, uh, I just heard the first story of, of Thanksgiving uh, from Stephen Mansfield, who's a friend and he has a great podcast. And he was talking about the first story of Thanksgiving. And these were, uh, these were Christians who felt persecuted that they couldn't entirely uh, worship and, and 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 talk with God the way they felt they wanted to, and so they got on these ships completely the wrong time of the year, completely cold, and they spent five to six months on these ships, traveling from Europe into this new land, and they spent six months, and then they got here, and they were faced with things that they'd never considered before. Unfortunately, Native Americans. Uh, welcomed them, taught them, and this is the story of the first Thanksgiving. What would possess an individual to do that? Like, why would you do that? Why would you get on, like legitimately, think about that. Why would you do that? Why would you get on a ship, know that you're going to spend months of your life and there was disease and cold and famine and illness and people were throwing up and people were living in their own feces to get to this place and you have no idea what the hell is going to happen there. Why would you do that? You would do that because the environment that you're currently in is so bad in your mind that even the prospect, even the hope of something maybe just a little bit better is enticing enough to get you out of that environment. None of us have ever experienced that. I've never in my entire life felt so persecuted or scared or fearful that I felt like, oh, I have to leave this place and go somewhere else because if I don't, I'm going to die. I've never experienced that. Very few people have. There are still people who have, by the way. I doubt anyone listening to this house. You're probably not living in Myanmar or somewhere like that, you know? Because they're listening on their damn cell phone and everything else, and it's amazing, but that's what they're doing. They're not persecuted. Okay, so we know that these individuals felt so persecuted and, and, and scared or fearful that they were willing to step into this great unknown and this great uncertainty. And these are the individuals who are the forefathers of America. America was founded by rugged individualism, by risk, by hope, by optimism, by freedom-loving people who wanted to live their own lives out from under the thumb of those who would control them. And so this is a nation of, of freedom and liberty and, and, and risk and adventure. And that still is within our blood, still within our blood. And the cool thing about it too, is that we welcome immigrants, you know, people that come here and do it legally and ethically and do it the right way. And you can have the American spirit. You can embrace the American spirit, which is rugged individualism, which is I can do this and I can do it well and successfully without somebody else dictating every little minute detail of my life. I can do it. That's why I love America. That's the American spirit, rugged individualism. Sure, there's some risk, you know? And so when I pe see people say things like, I've literally seen things like, is, is, is freedom more important than safety? Yes. Hell yeah, yes. It is. <laughs> yes, it is. Hell yeah, it is. Hell yeah, because I'd rather die a free man than die under the rule of somebody else 
Hell yeah. And the thing is, bro. 100% all day, every day. And that's the illusion of safety that you're giving your freedom away for. There is no such thing as safety. If you give away, if you give away your freedom for safety, well, you're, it, it's safety until they then decide that you're the enemy or that you're in the wrong. There's no safety. The only thing that you can have is freedom and rights. And that's the only thing. You can only thing you can have is a fighting chance in life. There's no, there's, there is no, this blanket of safety. It's a, it's a total, a total illusion. And, and that's why I love America, dude. Exactly what you said there. And, and you know what, as well, I think, um, you know, you've, you've seen animals, I've seen animals, anyone listening to this podcast has seen an animal in their life. An animal doesn't need to get trained to do what it does. An animal just knows. And it makes perfect sense to me that if your ancestors went to America and was one of those pioneers and crossed the Oregon Trail or did whatever they did, that that would be passed down to you genetically. Like that is this, I, I have no, I'd have no trouble whatsoever believing that that kind of thing can get passed down. No, I think that's right. I think there's a lot of intu- intuitiveness that comes with that. I think there's a lot of training that comes with that. Um, I think it's the culture that we've created. So there's a lot of uh, subconscious, I don't know if it's training, but subconscious learning that's happening that we value freedom and liberty and independence. And yeah, it's dangerous at times. And so is everything else. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Dude, you mentioned like training, culture, that kind of stuff there. And you, you're saying earlier that you played sports. Um, I'm a huge believer in sports. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that it's a, it's a surprise that two guys who went into the military are big believers in sports. Can you tell us a bit more about your kind of background in it and your belief in it? And, and like also, because I know obviously you're a father now, what your kind of approach is to sports with your, your own children? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a big difference in my mind and, and anecdotally, but also f- from a perspective of data that, that boys and girls, men and women are completely different. You know, not, not entirely, but there's a lot of differences. And so I watch my young daughter, she's six years old and I watch her interact with life and engage with life and she's got dolls and she she treats them like a mother and even her younger brother she's she she mothers it's very interesting because i think women are just by their nature more refined i I would say maybe you know they 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 look into that motherly role more quickly and then i look at my boys who to varying degrees are are wild and untamed and, and 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 destructive at times and they don't quite know how to harness that masculinity and that needs to be refined it really does i don't think women need to be refined i should say it this way i don't think girls need to be refined the same way that boys need to be refined so i see my three boys and i think man what am i going to do to help them understand the masculine chemicals and everything else that are coursing through their veins. What am I going to do to help them see that? And I can think of no better way than to organize them and to give them structure and then to allow them to experience potential risk and pain and suffering. And that's what sports offers, pain and suffering, but not without purpose, right? Like like if I, if I said to my son, hey, I just want you to go up and I want you to ask the biggest guy you can find to kick the shit out of you and just see how it feels. I can't imagine them be, being very excited about that. <laughs> yep. But if on the other hand, I said, you know what? I want you to learn these skills, whether it's blocking or tackling or how to do an arm bar or how to swing a bat or whatever, right? Learn these skills and then go find the biggest, baddest dude who's better at you at those skills and see how your skills stack up. 
There's something very, very enticing and exciting uh, and refining about that. And then when you lose, and here's why I hate participation trophies, because it, it assumes that that loss isn't a valuable part of the experience, and it is. And when my sons get their ass kicked in martial arts or on the field or wherever it may be, and I say, you know what? You aren't enough right now, but you can be. What do you need to learn? So John Eldridge, I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. He wrote a book called Wild at Heart. It's a great book. It transformed my life. and he said the primary differences or one of the differences between boys and girls and women and men are that women are asking themselves, am I lovely? Am I lovely? Not beautiful, lovely. There's a difference, I think. There's a distinction. And so I look at my wife and I look at my daughter and I think these two females are lovely and they're worth my energy and attention and pursuit and all of the things that I want want to be in their lives. They're worthy of that because they're lovely. They're beautiful. They're, they're, they're hardworking and they add value to my life. But boys and men are asking, am I enough? Do I have what it takes? And when you fail as a father or mother to help your son answer that question, am I enough? then you're selling them short. And the only way you can do that is by pitting them against other people who are better than them. And competitive sports offers all of that. So you go into a football game and you get your ass handed to you by the other team. The answer to the question, am I enough, is no. And, and women don't like that. On the other hand, men want to know. And when they get their ass handed to them, they, they should say, and if they have healthy male role models, which we can talk about later, they should be thinking to themselves, I am not enough, but that's not the full story. I am not enough, but I can be if I develop these skills. And then it becomes aspirational. It becomes challenging, which is what we need. It's uh, Look, if a guy beats me up, on the mat because I've gotten a jujitsu over the past couple of years. If a guy beats me on the mat, I don't feel sorry for myself. My response is, wow, that guy's really good and I need to get better so I can mm. beat him next time. Yep. Absolutely. And any healthy man responds that way. It's only when they're told that you're enough just because you exist does it create a problem. And then there's this weird disconnect in young men's lives of like, you're enough. You're special just the way you are because their mind and their bodies are telling them that that's bullshit. And it is. Mm. So they're hearing these things like, I'm just good enough. And in their mind, they're like, no, I'm not because I'm not performing. No, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. No, I'm not. I'm not performing. And then there's this disconnect and this internal dialogue of conflict, which is not healthy. And it leads to anxiety and depression and potentially even suicidal thoughts. What met boys need is they need a male, not a female, a male role model, father, mentor, brother, or coach in their life saying, you know what? You're right. You're not enough, but I can help you become enough. I can help you act and I can help you channel everything that's running through your veins right now so that you become enough so that you look at yourself and think I'm capable. I've proven to myself that I am and I can do the things that I want to do, that I want to set out and accomplish in life. I think what you said there, dude, is so important. This, 
you can like, and it, this ties back to what you were saying about us being animals. I could tell my dog he's a goldfish every day. He's a fucking dog. If you are telling a, a guy that you're enough, you're enough, winning doesn't matter, you are not by telling him that going to override his millions of years of evolution. No, sir. That is not. That is not happening. That's right. And um, this, as again, this, and the, uh, I think this maybe is tied into the service, but. One of the great things about sport, and one of the reasons I love American football, is because it's such a team sport. You know, so you've got to. Um, everyone has their assignments, and if you're a lineman, if you're if you're a lineman, you have to execute as a lineman, and you're not getting the touchdown. But the got the the gap that you opened up, the guy's going to run through, he's going to score a touchdown. The team wins, and also um, you might have to throw a block, and or you're going to get lit up. And that level of sacrifice, you learn sacrifice for other people at an early age and and can you i i mean obviously no we can't imagine because we played sports at a young age and this is why i'm so thankful that i did so dad if you're listening thank you for making me play rugby from eight years old that's what he should have done 100 percent. i'm he so sh- thankful he should have and he did and more men need to do this you need to introduce your children to pain and suffering and hardship and then surround them with other men, including yourself, to teach them how to manage it. You can't go through your life without conflict. There's going to be points where you're going to have to stand up for yourself or you're going to have to stand up for other people. If you get into your 20s and you've never been hit or you've never collided with someone, um, again, like, you know, there's something like really primal about like a kickoff in rugby or football where you're just running at each other from distance. You know what's coming. You're trying to kill each other. Could you have done what you did in the military without that buildup from sports? Because otherwise you're asking people to, ju- you're literally like, hey, I know you've never thrown a punch before, but now uh, this person's breaking into your family's house and you need to defend your family. Like, you can't make that jump. I think you're right. I think we would surprise ourselves when the situation called for it. But I also think even more common than that, because a lot of us haven't spent time in the military and and even with what I did, it didn't hold any weight to what some of our um, uh, um, uh, heroes have done. But even just more common than that is if you've never got punched in the face, how in the hell do you expect to go ask your boss for a raise? <laughs> how do you expect to approach a beautiful woman and ask if she'll spend some time with you? If you've never got punched in the face, both literally and figuratively, if you've never got your ass handed to you and realized that, you know what, that guy kicked my ass or that situation really throttled me uh, and I'm alive. It didn't kill me and I'm Mm. more capable than I thought I was. And now what you can do is you can realize that if you go ask for that date and you get turned down, yeah, it sucks, but it's not the end of the world. If you go ask for a promotion, you might get rejected, but you know what? At least you put yourself out there and you got yourself in the game. And so we have these parents that are running around being helicopter parents, sheltering and coddling and protecting and bubble wrapping our kids from doing all these difficult things. And then when they get into real life and somebody says, no, they don't know what that experience is like. They don't know what it's like to get punched in the dick, right? They don't know. They don't understand that. And so they attach their lack of results to their own sense of worth. Like when I don't perform, I don't get down on my sense of worth. Just say, you know what? I'm not good enough yet. Yet being the key word there. And you can reframe that as well because your sense of worth, when you, when you can honestly look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, I'm not good enough. And guess what? I have the confidence to t- and the self-worth to tell myself that and I know I'm going to get better. Your self-worth goes up, not down. Yeah, that's faith. 
You know, like a lot of guys ask me about faith, you know, how can you, how can you perform when you've never performed in the past? Or how can you feel confident with something that you've never done? Because you draw on past experience. When I started this podcast, I had never created a successful podcast. So what in my right mind gave me the right to even think that this might be some level of success? Because I've been successful in other areas. That's the answer. Because I was successful yep, in the football field, because I was a successful sh- soldier, because I, I already ran a successful business. And because I did those things, even though this is not entirely the same, it's not entirely different either. And I had success over there. I have faith that I can have success over here. <laughs> but you can't have success if everything comes easy. Like if everything is given to you, is that success? No, of course not. This is why, and this is going to get weird here for a second, but when I think about superheroes, all right, I like superheroes. So I think about superheroes. I think Superman is a pussy because he's invincible. Batman is a badass because he's a human being and he get his ass kicked and he could die at any minute. The only thing that makes him different is, yeah, he's got some wealth and he's got some grit. But he's not invincible. People will say, well, kryptonite. Okay, so he's got one thing. In the you know, universe. This, this very... <laughs> scarce thing in the universe and so just stay away from kryptonite but you know when you go to rescue that damsel in distress or save that person from the building you're invincible that doesn't make you bold or stronger or courageous it makes you bold and strong and courageous to do things that maybe aren't entirely believed to be possible or that propose some element of of risk and danger to your own well-being that's what makes you bold and courageous and strong yeah that that's right you gotta have skin in the you gotta have skin in the game totally completely and and it's, it's and then you know the uh, what you're saying about you know you you've got to know that you like you go through you go and talk to a girl and and like yeah, we've all been there anyone listening there's been a girl you wanted to go and talk to and you've been like shit in your pants and thinking this is going to go badly what'll happen and you know what we've all been turned down and did you die no no you didn't and and one no. of the great things about the military is they show you boundaries that you never even knew existed like you know i i can't i always forget this quote but the basically about how most people will go through life never even knowing what their body is capable of you know and and that's the same for the mind most of us don't know what our minds are capable of and I, i'm i'm so grateful to the army for you know putting me through things that you look back on and you think wow i never would have done that unless you know we got pushed into it can you tell us what it was that 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 drew you towards the um towards the military yeah i mean i wish i had some some maybe more noble purpose for joining the military like i always wanted to serve my country and i always wanted to do these hard things i wish i had that (laughs) look man i didn't know what i was gonna do with my life i had no idea i got out of high school i was a mediocre student i i did college for a little bit but I didn't know. I'm like, what do, what do I do? You know, I'm 17, 18 years old. I'm like, I have no idea what the hell I'm going to do with my life. And uh, I had a couple of buddies who uh, were joining the National Guard. And like, I don't know, it seems like they know what they're doing. And so I thought, well, okay, those guys are doing it. So maybe they know what they're doing. And I'll, and I'll do that. And it was an opportunity for me to serve my country. It was an opportunity for me to pay for some schooling, to have some direction, because I had no idea what the hell I was going to do. Uh, and it ended up being a very integral part of my growth and my life. And, you know, I grew more patriotic and, and I understand the value of being in the military and I, and I developed an appreciation for the hundreds of thousands of men and women who have died fighting for a cause they believe is important. I, I, I developed that all of that after 
But when I joined the military, frankly speaking, I just didn't know what the hell else to do. I really didn't. And so I'm so fortunate that I was able to go that down that route. But a lot of people think like, well, I don't know if I want to do this as a career or that as a career. It's a four-year enlistment, I think. I think it's four years now. You know, for as you and I know, unfortunately, now we're getting a bit older, a bit longer in the tooth. Four years goes very quickly. Like, you know, we were saying earlier. Very quickly. You know, just join for four years. See what happens. Right. If you don't know what to do in your life, you're going to make, a, there can be a lot worse decisions than joining the military. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way, not just about the military, but life in general. If I do this thing, then I'm pigeonholed into that that route. No, man, like- there's so many different paths. My son and I were walking around. We were doing some hunting together last night and we were walking around and we found where the, our, our deer on our property bed down. We found it. And as I was walking in the beds and seeing you know, where they were making their beds and there was all kind of sign of deer, a trail, poop, that kind of thing. My son turned to me. He's like, dad, there's trails everywhere. As you're walking through the forest of life, you can't entirely see what's on the other side. You don't get to see what's on the other side. You have to make decisions with the limited information that you have, which is just you where you are and some of the trees. And you're like, I don't know, left looks good. And you get left and you get down into some thicket and you realize, oh, you know what? This isn't good. So I better turn right and get back on that other trail. And this is life. You can't not make decisions. Can't just sit there on one side of the forest knowing you want to get to the other side. You have to try. You have to experience. You have to experiment. I'm going to go left. We'll see where it goes. And you know what? If it doesn't go, I'm going to learn some things along the way and then I'm going to deviate and go right. Or maybe you pick right the first time. Congratulations. You're the first person in the history of human civilization to actually do that. <laughs> you just make decisions. And you know what the beautiful thing about this is? Because you don't get to see everything all at once that when you start taking that that route, whatever route you choose, left, right, wherever, things begin to open up and you get some perspective and you're going down this path and you're like, oh man, I didn't realize this is where it's going to take me, negative or a positive. But that new information, the new stimulus, the new input is what gives you the ability to make different decisions on your next footstep. But you don't get to make those different decisions if you never make the first step. So to your point about joining the military, if you're not one, if you're wondering what you should do and you don't have pa a path or uh, you don't have any direction, who knows? Maybe that four years is a, a step in the right direction. You, you, you learn some skills. If you're here, you get some school paid for, and then it pivots you into something else that's going to infinitely serve you. That's, you got to take the step. You really do. You got to take the first step. And, and do something else that I want to really reinforce to people is just because you took that step doesn't mean you can't be working on something else at the same time. If you've joined the military and you have aspirations to have a podcast like Order of Man, you can do that while you're in the military. You don't have to. Oh, for sure. You know, like you don't have to wait for the one of these other one of these other things. It's, and I, I'm sure you see that a lot yourself. It's the the whole thing of like people. It's almost the kind of the waiting for permission. Like, oh, well, I can't. Once I'm out of the army, then I'll do this. It's like, well, why can't you do it now? Well, when I was overseas, so I was in Iraq in 2005 and some of 2006, I actually took my uh, investment and insurance information, study materials to Iraq with me. And in my downtime, I would study those things. And when I got back, I passed my exam. So I was doing other things while I was deployed in a combat zone overseas. So absolutely, you can do other things. And also, I would say the the alternative to that is when you said you can't be just because you do it doesn't mean you can't be doing other things. I would also say this, 
just because you take the first step doesn't mean you're entitled to all the answers. It's just the first step. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's not put the cart before the horse. Take the first step, see what you can uncover. And then based on that new information, you're going to have to make some continual uh, decisions that are hopefully are going to serve you and the people that you care about. Yeah, I think people underestimate or sorry, overestimate how much of their time will be consumed by a certain career. You know, like you'll still have if you join the army, especially if you join, um, dude, honestly, the infantry, like a few, um, I don't know if it's the same in America, but certainly when you're in British garrison, the infantry is one of the easiest jobs that you can have in the world. The amount of free time that you have is ridiculous. And I'll put my hand up and say I wasted a lot of that time. Um, you know, that, that was a lot. Totally. And, and, and that, but that's, you know. That's young man. That's young man one one. So these things, these things happen. Yeah, I mean, not only young man one one, but you've got a bunch of other people who are wasting their time. So you think, oh, well, that's just what you do, right? Because mm, you got a bunch yeah. of 17, 18 year olds who don't know how to manage life, and so we had all this downtime. And you know, I saw a lot of guys binge watching a series of of twenty four, you know, or whatever it is they were right. <laughs> and I look, I'm not going to say I wasn't guilty of that. I did too, right? <laughs> So you're binge watching shows and it's like, man, what, what could you actually do at that time? And it mm. wasn't until I realized, oh, you know yeah. what? I could actually study <laughs> like that. I, that I unlocked this new path that, that I would be able to explore once my military commitment was done. Yeah. I mean, what I will say is I did read a lot and that's obviously come in that that's come in handy. Right. But, um, like you said, dude, like what would have, and this is cause we have NCOs and stuff listening to this now, you know, you, Though you are in a father figure position, NCOs are listening to this. What might happen if you go and tell those guys, hey guys, I know we haven't really got much to do this afternoon. I've I've talked to this local business that they're an investment company. They're going to come in. Um, you don't have to come, but I recommend that you do. And we get, they're going to come in. They're going to give up a couple of hours time and they're going to talk to us about how you can invest some of your money and stuff, you know? Yeah. So N NCOs, listen, you know, be proactive about this as well because it's not that the guys don't want to do anything like Ryan's saying. You know, a lot of the times you just don't like that. If the environment around you is, oh, well, if we get knocked off from work, we just go and sit in the rooms and play Call of Duty. Well, change that environment, change that culture. Yeah. I mean, that's your responsibility. And I, we talked about this earlier when we were talking about uh, being a boy and being a father or a father figure. As an NCO, you have an opportunity to be fatherly. We'll say it that way, to be fatherly. And that doesn't mean you need to be somebody's daddy. It just means you need to illuminate the path and help them see. And sometimes that means you got to work out with a, an agreement with a business that's going to come in and teach. Or sometimes that means, you know, uh, guys, hey, I'm reading this great book right now and uh, I would like to start a book club. You know, we're hit, we're here. We're, we're, we don't have an assignment. We, we've done everything we need to do. And so we're going to take 30 minutes and we're going to review chapter one of the latest book that we're reading. Man, how powerful will that be? Not only for you, but the people as men that we want to serve. And isn't that your job as a man? I mean, one of the core tenets of masculinity is to, to lead. I call it preside. It's to lead. It's to have the authority and the influence and the credibility to lead your family or your business or your coworkers and colleagues, your community members. That's your job. So do it. Do it well. And you know what, dude? I know there's probably some people right now reading, uh, rolling their eyes going, a book club in the army? Do you know how many books have been written about the about war and about fighting? You totally. like you can learn everything totally. there is. To, the Greeks have le left you lessons of war and up for every war from three and a half thousand years ago you can learn about. So yeah, get a fucking book club, <laughs> get a book club started and learn about war. Yeah, and some guys might think, oh, you know, in the in the military, a book club. What are you talking about? But you know what? Those those. 
20% of the guys that you invite who actually join your book club are going to be better warriors because you're doing it. So do you want to be a warrior or do you want to just follow orders and, and just do what you're told? Or do you want to be a professional? I, I think about the movie 300 when I think that and Leonidas in the movie says, you know, Spartans, what is our profession? Right? Like if your profession is to be a warrior, then it goes well beyond physicality. That's important. But it goes to intellect and it goes to thoughtfulness and it goes to effectiveness and the skill sets that you can develop. And you can pick up a lot of this in a book uh, and then apply it and, and turn information into wisdom, practical application. There's definitely a difference between a warrior and a soldier. Totally. You know, like, like, like a soldier is a, like, a, you know, your conscript armies, like back in the day, you join up, they stand you in a line and you go forward and, and then you basically just look. It's, gonna, it's all coming down to luck, whether or not you get hit down. I think a warrior is somebody who who goes out to learn everything about their profession that they can. And I wish I'd done more of this. Like, looking back, you know, I'm talking, I'm not talking from a position of this is what I did. It's, this is what I wish I did. Yeah. A soldier is a boy. You know, what do boys do? They look to their daddy to tell them everything they need to do. And they're, you know, look, frankly, there's times that's appropriate. Like when I was in basic training, I was a soldier because I didn't know. How would I know? How would I know what we needed to do? And so who do I look to? I looked to my drill sergeant, my daddy. <laughs> to like A warrior. Right. Yeah. A warrior. Somebody who has this figured out. And then at some point you have to become a warrior. And that doesn't mean you go rogue. That doesn't mean you <laughs> butt command. It means that you invest your everything, your mind and your heart and your soul into becoming a professional, a warrior not just a follower of orders. Bro, when you talk about that right now, I just want to get back in uniform. <laughs> like, do, 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 do you ever, do you ever? I mean, I missed a lot. I missed a lot of opportunities, man. Like if I were to do it over, I would have done a lot different. I would have been a warrior. I wouldn't have been just a soldier. I would have immersed more into it. I would have I've poured more time and energy and sweat and attention and learning and going to schooling and going on these opportunities that were presented to me that I failed to take. I would have done things so much differently and, and my life would have been different. Certainly my career there would have been different, but my life would have been different had I done that. But sometimes that just comes with maturity and sometimes we have to learn the hard way and sometimes there's a season for being a boy and there's a season for being a man. And I was a boy at the time and I wish I would have been more of a man, but that would have taken a man to teach me how to do that. This is, this is just something that's gone on throughout history. I'm sure every generation has said this. If you could take the minds of 35 to 45 year old men and put them in the bodies of 18 year olds, uh, you would have an unbeatable army. You just would. <laughs> Lend me your ears for a couple of minutes uh, because no sponsors equals no podcast combat fuel. If you have social media, then you have probably been touching yourself over how good I'm looking at the moment. I am looking juicy and swole. Combat Fuel has a lot to do with that. Uh, They have a new and even more delicious vegan protein in stock. Uh, I recommend even if you're not a vegan, um, not just because it's delicious, uh, but because it doesn't empty a room when you get the old lactose farts that you get with whey protein and that kind of stuff. Um, I use Combat Fuels pre-workout whenever I lift. On legs days, I go for a big scoop of the regular pre-workout. And on upper body days, aka most days, uh, I go for half a scoop of the regular pre-workout and two scoops of their pump-up product. And I get juicy gains for days. Uh, If they still have them in stock, I also recommend adding some Mountain Joe bars to your order. I smashed a couple of those today, actually. Um, I got the Millionaires ones with the white chocolate. They're my favorite. Fuck. Shouldn't have said that. Don't want to go in out of stock. Uh, and I also like the chocolate brownies. 
They're lovely. They've got a good ratio of carbs to proteins and fats. They're good for ta- really good for taking the edge off your hunger. Keep a couple in your day sack. Um, gorgeous for having with a brew or a hot wet for you bootnecks out there who are probably listening to this in your 17th shower of the day, which you're having with your mates, no doubt. Um, so if you want Combat Fuel, combatfuel.co.uk and at Combat Fuel, and there's a link for you guys in the show notes. Also want to say thank you as ever to Zulu Alpha Watch Straps. They've been with us for a very long time. We are very grateful. Um, Zulu Alpha, been doing big stuff in 2020, and I know some of you have been following that journey. If you want to check them out on social media, they're at Zulu Alpha Straps, and I've linked their website in the notes. Uh, they make bombers watch straps for alley blokes. I am a particular fan of the black beard design. I like black clothing and I like black watch straps. And there's just enough colour on there for it for, to make it pop. I like it. Check them out. They're all, at Zulu Alpha Straps, ZuluAlphaStraps.com. Uh, both of these companies are veteran-owned and operated. And they're also small businesses who have been getting fucked in 2020 by the man. But they're still going strong. Why? Because they're run by top blokes who put bags of effort in. Uh, so let's get behind them. Thank you, Combat Fuel. And thank you, Zulu Alpha Straps, for your continued support of the podcast. All right, let's get back to it. Okay, this is a bit of a pointed question. Um, so I, I'll tell you what, I'll, put, I'll say my opinion on this now because I don't want to set you up on this because I have been... Okay. This is something that um, I don't want people to take offense with listening because we do have civilians listening to, but I, I'm just going to be 100% honest. There is a long period of my life, probably up until the last couple of years, where I used to think less of people if they hadn't served. I used to think you were less of a man if you hadn't served in the military. My opinion of that has changed now. I still believe you have to serve, but you ha- you can. there are different ways to serve now. But what, what's your kind of thoughts on this, and, and have they changed over time? I mean, I don't think everybody's a warrior. There's certain people that I would not want sitting next to me on the battle lines. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so one, one topic, a conversation that period, periodically gets brought up is mandatory service. And I'm like, mm, I don't, there's guys that I would not want to serve with that would actually undermine and hinder what it is we're trying to do. I think a volunteer fighting force is significantly stronger than a mandated one. But I don't think less of people who haven't served in the military because I try not to judge success through my lens alone. Mm. And I, I, there, there's multiple different ways. So one thing I said earlier is uh, that one of the core tenets of masculinity and being a man is to preside, to lead, right? I didn't say to lead on the battlefield. I said lead. So I think a man that that sacrifices and that commits and that honors to lead his family well is just as manly as a man who has 20 young men that he's leading into battle. I really do. Uh, The other two core tenets of masculinity, by the way, are to protect and provide. And you can do those as warriors, certainly, but you can also do that as an artist. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Like I know men who are artists whether they're painting or drawing or, or they're musicians. And I think that's a very manly man. You know, he's protecting, he's, he's capable, he's providing. Certainly he's developed a skill set that will uh, enhance his life and the people he cares about. And he's presiding, he's leading, he's influencing. Like, isn't it a musician influencing hundreds of uh, thousands, if not millions of people? So there's a lot of different ways to fit into this. And that's why when people say things like, well, what makes you the judge? And does everybody need to hunt? Does everybody need to kill? Does every No, 
But every man does need to be a protector, a provider, and a presider. And there's an infinite number of ways in which a man can fulfill those responsibilities. And by the way, this isn't something that I've just conjured up in my mind. You saw the bookshelf behind me. There's a great book called Manhood in the Making. It's a difficult read because it tends to be more uh, scholarly. I mean, there's a lot of research and data and information, and it's a little bit more difficult book to read, but it's a really good book. And the author, David Gilmore, makes the case because he's studied different tribes throughout much of history and time, makes the case that for the most part, overwhelmingly, all cultures throughout all of history and time have perceived men to step into the roles that I just shared with you. And certain tribes do it differently and have different philosophies about why that is. But ultimately, there's some striking similarities, which excuse me, leads me to believe that masculinity isn't some sort of like social construct, because if it were, then we would see varying degrees within tribes that have never been introduced to each other. That is not a social construct. It's a biological construct and it's supported societally because it works. So society at large supports the biological construct because they see the benefit of men being protectors, providers, and presiders. And that, that means we need philosophers. We need warriors. We need businessmen. We need creatives, the artists of the world. We need all of them. And collectively, we move culture and our societies in the right direction. We're not at odds with each other. We're all in the same boat. I made this analogy the other day on my, uh, my social media account. I said in our Facebook group, which we've got about, I think, 76 or 77,000 guys in there now. And I said, look, guys, we're all going to row the boat and row the oars in the same direction. If you're going to row it in a different direction, you're off the ship. You're off the boat because we're all going this way. Now, if you have a better, more effective, more efficient way to row the boat, cool, welcome. Teach us, show us so we can all be better. But we're not going to let you row against us. And so it takes all types to your analogy earlier about sports. You've got blocking assignments, pass routes, receiving, catching, blocking, all that stuff. And we all play a different part. But the ultimate objective is the same, and we all need to be on the same path. Yeah, dude, and the reason I bring that up is because I'm sure you do too. I get messages from young guys who are absolutely heartbroken that they can't join the military because they've been found with a certain medical condition, and that they need they they want to serve, and they they feel like the only way they can do that is the military. And uh, for a long time, I myself used to think, um, yeah, you're less of a man if you don't go to war. And I've changed my opinion about that now because um, I've got out my own fucking, um, basically, that was just me pumping up my own fucking ego saying, oh, no, I'm the best because I went to war. Now I realize I'm fucking done shit compared to most people. For sure. Um, And you know what? So if you're a young lad listening to this and you can't join the military, don't get me wrong. I am totally sympathetic that you must feel like really bad, but... There are loads of other ways for you to be a man. There are loads of other ways for you to serve um, and, and to do all of that. So I don't want you to fucking like, yeah, it's shit. You got dealt a shit hand there. But like Ryan said earlier, everyone gets dealt shit at some point. So maybe you just got your shit up front. And maybe, you know, sometimes it's good to get the shitty stuff up the way because, um, well, actually, let me, let me ask you this. Can, do you think you can reach your full potential without suffering? Yeah, I don't think that's possible. Reaching your full potential is an interesting thing because what what is your full potential? Like we, we it's mm. a moving target, yeah. right? What you think is your full potential right yeah, now, right. when you achieve it, you've unlocked something else, right? So, so for example, in, in a in a very rudimentary way, here's an example. Let's say you you deadlift four hundred pounds, and you think to yourself, "Well, I, I want to deadlift five hundred pounds." 
So you do everything required over a period of year or two years or whatever it takes. And eventually you lift 500 pounds. That was your full potential at the time. Well, when you hit 500 pounds, you're actually capable of at some point reaching 550 or 600 pounds. Right now you have a lot of diminishing returns, but what is your full potential? We don't know. We don't know what it is. We can, we can never reach it. But that said to, in the spirit of your question, which is no, of course not. Because if you're not tried, if you're not pushed, if you're not challenged and you're not butted up against anything, how are you making yourself better? If there's no contention, right? Like, uh, so, uh, I've talked a little bit about uh, martial arts. I've, I've been training jujitsu for the past several years. And if all I did was watched, uh, jujitsu videos online <laughs> and then, and I did that for two years, Let, let's say I spent, <laughs> let's say I spent five years watching videos online, do this move, tweak this, change this, adjust this. Here's the technique. Here's the strategy. And then I went in and I said, okay, I'm going to pick the biggest, baddest ass black belt I can find. And I could say, I've been training for five years. Let's go. How quickly do you think you'd kick my ass? <laughs> Very quickly, right? Mm. Right. Yep. Right. You need to have suffering. You need to earn it. You need to pay your dues, which means you need to go into the gym every day and you need to get your ass handed to you and you need to learn and you need to get the feedback. Oh man, that didn't work. Let me try this differently this time. So yes, you have to have, you have to have pain and suffering. There's no better way to improve or no, no way at all to improve if you don't have some sort of thing pushing back on you. Uh, you know, I do want to say something else if I can though, about the, the, the warrior, uh, yeah, of course, man. warrior in order to be a man thing. There's a danger in attaching your sense of worth to an occupation uh, or or even one activity in general because at some point that will be taken from you. And in fact, a lot of warriors, soldiers, military members deal with this. They've spent 20 years or less or longer in the military and they run up against a medical condition or they retire and then they don't have any sense of self-worth outside of the military. And now that that's stripped away for them voluntarily or involuntarily, they lose themselves and they lose their way because they wrapped up their identity into what they were doing as a profession. So these guys who say, well, I couldn't serve in the military, so I'm not a man. You're actually doing the same thing as a 20-year-old veteran who gets out of the military and is completely lost and ends up offing himself because of it. You're doing the same thing. You're tying your masculinity into a profession. You can take a warrior mindset and adopt that and embrace that and, and infuse that into what you're currently doing. Maybe you're leading a business. Maybe you're leading your family. Maybe you're a pastor of a church. You can still have that warrior mindset. You can still serve and you can still serve honorably and have these great callings and engage in these great battles. Even though they may not be physical battles, they're battles for the soul if you're a pastor. You can take that mentality and apply it to your life outside of the titles or the occupation because that's a very, very dangerous game that I've seen thousands of men fall into. And I've seen a lot of these guys, frankly, and unfortunately, kill themselves because they wrapped up too tightly in who not who they were but in what they did yeah dude the people confuse the you the uniform was not the identity you were the person you know and you, you so when your service finishes you were the same guy that you were the same guy yes you know just because you hand in the uniform and hand in your kit you're that guy that guy that stood up when the bullets were flying that was you the guy you know it wasn't the uniform you did that and now you can do it in other things and i'm really glad you brought that up bro because 
it's something we've talked about on here before, but I don't think it. it we can say that enough, honestly. Um, uh, we've we actually have got a. Um, it's something that I've I've, I've uh, written about. We we filmed a movie about it this year, which is basically on that line. Because to to broaden the point, this is something that happens to athletes. If you're tied up your um, if you tied up your personality in um, oh I'm a uh, listen to one recently with this girl. She was a figure skater, and then she she got a bad accident. She couldn't skate anymore, and, her, and she went suicidal. It's like well, it happens to everyone. If you are um, we see it happen with people with money. If you tied up, oh I'm the money guy. I'm the guy that makes businesses and sells them and all of a sudden they go bankrupt blow the brains out it's not about the money it's about the identity they think that their identity failed and uh, i think that's really good good point let's 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 drill down into this do a bit because i think you and i are probably as a lot of people are very concerned in the number the growing numbers of suicides especially in young men um Lock, like so in in London um the the number of calls have has more than doubled in 2020 and i think we can put a lot of that down to some obvious things like you know human beings are not meant to be alone all the time we can you know we so we can put that kind of side sure. of things but even before 2020 this was a growing trend why do you think that is are you talking about it specifically in men did you say that it's let's let's, let's talk specifically men because the world at large is telling them that they're good enough the way they are and they know that's bullshit Simple, yeah. You know it. You know when you're, as a man, and a woman probably experiences this too, but you know, deep down in your heart of hearts, you know when you are not performing to standard. You know it. And when everybody tries to make you believe that it's okay, and then you actually buy that bullshit, then you create this animosity and this contention and this disconnect. I call it the integrity gap. You create an integrity gap between who you view yourself as I am strong, I am capable, uh, I am worthy, I'm a great father or a great soldier or a great whatever. And so this is your ideal version of yourself over here, right? And then you actually have to look the guy in the mirror when you wake up or jump on the scale uh, or look at your bank account and look at your underperformance at work. You actually have to face that guy. You look at him in the mirror every day and you think, this is the ideal version of myself and this is how I'm performing. And that disconnect, that's the integrity gap. Who I view myself as or who I have a desire to be and who I actually am. And the greater that disconnect, the more contention, frustration, animosity, depression, anxiety, and potentially even suicidal thoughts that creates. So the world generally will tell you, hey, you know, like, just love yourself. Oh, you just said, if you just loved yourself, that's bullshit, man. If you're hungover every night and you're 50 pounds overweight and you're $100,000 in debt and your wife just left you and you can't visit your kids, how the hell are you supposed to be happy with who you are? That's a dangerous, dangerous statement to make. Just be happy. Why, why can't you just be happy? Why can't you just accept who you are? I don't want to accept that. This is what men know. Okay, look, you're in the dumps, man. Like your wife just left you. That sucks. You're in the dumps. You're in the gutter. So come with me. Let me show you something that will help you get out of the despair, that will help you get your finances in order, that will help you become more mentally and emotionally and physically attractive to women, that will help you be more bold and assertive and courageous, that will help you develop a set of skills that's going to improve your life and the lives of the people that you care about. And as you bridge the gap, 
between who you view yourself to be in this ideal world and who you actually are. That's what overcomes depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts, barring mental illness. I better put that in there. I'm talking about mentally healthy individuals, okay? Because that's different. And those people need to seek medical help. And even if you're not even if you don't have some sort of medical illness or or mental illness, even if you find yourself in a situation, you need to find professional help. If that's a, a clinical therapist, if that's a friend, a mentor, a brother, whoever, that's going to help you see that the answer doesn't lie in wallowing in your own self-pity and telling yourself you're special when you know you're full of shit and instead working you towards the ideal version of yourself. Even clinical therapists will tell you this. What do you have to live for? Where's the hope? Where's the optimism? How do you see yourself improving? That's the problem is everybody's so worried about making people feel bad and they think that just by lying to them that somehow the pain goes away. You might sedate it. And isn't that what we try to do as men? We use drugs and pornography and alcohol because we don't want to deal with the reality of the situation that we're in, which is you aren't good enough yet, but you can be. And you have two choices to make. Do I do the work or do I wallow? And the world would tell you to wallow and be happy with it. And I and others like yourself would tell you, no, do the work and the rest will begin to take care of itself. I think you're bang on, mate. You really are. And I think we, the more you get told to love yourself and the, and, and the less that you do to earn it, you come to hate yourself. Of course. You come to hate the person you are. And the same, and I think there's this, this, and this is the different, because obviously there's different reasons for different people, but I think this happens that the yes. same way, the same reason that people will kill a lion spouse who has been lying to them and that they become to hate or that you can kill the enemy because you hate the enemy. You can kill yourself because you will hate yourself. You will hate that, but you almost have this split personality where you hate yourself and you want to kill that person because they are a liar and they have been lying to you every day and they've been holding think about this if there was someone in your life externally who held you back every day who lied to your face every time who let who never held their promises to you or to any other people would you want that person in your life no but society tells you oh yeah love that person no fuck that person that person is holding you back. We, you wouldn't do that to a friend. You, so why would you do it to yourself? I couldn't have said it any better, man. I mean, that's, that's exactly right. Wholeheartedly agree. I do. I want to shake people. I want to shake people. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's a tough one, dude, because, look, we've got this self-love and self-this and self-that. But no one, nobody talks about, or very few people, I'll say, not nobody, because you talk about this. You know, people all talk about self-love and all this stuff. People don't talk about self-reliance. You know, the people don't talk about accountability of yourself. You know, so yes, self is important. Self is what we should be concentrating on because if we look after ourselves, then we can look after other people. And if every, look, at the end of the day, if everyone's looking after themselves, we don't have to look after anybody else because we're all good. But the reality is if we, if we take care of ourselves, you know, self-love doesn't mean fucking three pints of ice cream. Self-love means holding yourself, you know, accountable. But, to go back to the self-reliance things, I, I, I know I, I hear you talk about this a lot and I want to make sure guys understand what this is. And I know guys and girls, this is, this is important for everyone. Can you tell us what, what is self-reliance and why is it so important? Self-reliance is the ability to manage 
all of the resources to gather and acquire the resources to put them to good use, to make them effective, to advance your own cause, your own purpose, so long as it's noble. I, I would actually say if we're just talking about self-reliance, even if it's not noble, obviously nobility is important and virtue is important. We can talk about the morality. We can talk about that later. But it's, 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 it's managing the resources effectively in order to provide for yourself. And then once you provide for yourself, then you have an obligation to extend that and manage those resources and abundance and developing the skill sets so that not only can you take care of yourself, but you can take care of other people. So if you are relying upon somebody else paying your mortgage, for example, then you have failed to manage the resources that you have, your time, talent, energy, money, etc., for an effective outcome for yourself. Somebody else is doing it for you and you you are no longer relying upon yourself exclusively. You are not relying upon others. Now, look, here's the thing. That doesn't mean that you can't offer or or ask for help. It doesn't mean that you can't accept a, a, a gracious gift from somebody. It just means that over the long and sustained periods of time in your life that you don't need other people to give you any resources that you should be able to provide for yourself. And that's what self-reliance is. One of the things that I think people come under criticism for when you're saying that you shouldn't, about being a man and about, you know, embracing masculinity and all these kind of things is, I think people confuse that with, like, they, they think there's this zero-sum game where it's like, if you and I live our lives as men, then that means that women have to suffer, you know? And what you just said there is so important. And this is what people need to understand is, you know, by Ryan being a man, by being being a man and anyone listening being a man, one of the things that we want to do is see other people successful. So it doesn't mean that, hey, I'm going to be a man and now I'm going to subjugate you. No, it's the total opposite. It's like now I'm going to help. What do you need? What do you need help with? What do you need help with? I've got you. That's exactly right. You know, do you, is that, is that, is that something that you come up against though? This misunderstanding that people think that you're trying to step on them rather than you're just trying to make you the best that you can be. Yeah. I mean, look, let's take a hunting analogy. If I go out in there and I kill a squirrel today, some sort of a, a snare or a trap and I kill a squirrel, like that's enough to feed myself. <laughs> like nobody else is going to eat. But if I develop the skill set to go out there and shoot a deer, that's more food than I can eat. Like now I have an abundance. I have a surplus. And because I have a surplus, I can now serve other people. And and some might say, well, in a zero-sum game, you took away deer from somebody else that could have eaten that. No, I actually gave it to other people that couldn't have harvested it for themselves because they lacked the, either the desire or the skill set, right? So now I go out into the world and I shoot a deer and I bring it back and I gut it and I do everything I need to do to make sure the meat and, and everything is prepared correctly. And then I give it to my family to provide for their way of life that some people will say, well, that's antiquated. It's not antiquated. It's just an example. It could be you going out into the workforce, not hunting for an animal, but you going out into the workforce and be made enough to pay for your food and your, the roof over your head. And because you've gotten so proficient at managing the resources, now you have the capacity to serve other people your neighbors, your family members, your friends. When we moved here to Maine, there was people that stopped by our house, random people, neighbors, people we never knew, never met, who gave us deer meat and moose meat and bear meat. And they said, welcome to the neighborhood. These are people who learned how to provide for themselves and they had a surplus and an abundance. And they believe in the power of community and neighborliness that they gave of their own storage to us as a gesture of goodwill. That's manly. 
That means they've been, they've gone beyond worrying about themselves and ex expanded that to worrying now about other people and serving. And that is a very manly behavior. I couldn't agree more to you. I think, you know, it's like you said before, it's, 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 it's uh, these the, the, those three P's. I forget the exact words now because they're not ones. I got them written down here somewhere. Hang on, where we go? We got protector, provide, preside, right? So that really resides because the the provide that doesn't just mean that you provide like literally provide, but it's the you you provide the even if it's just the support or the or, or, or the um like for instance if the, I'm trying I'm struggling to put this into words. One of the things that I, I feel is um, a big problem right now is, it's especially in the UK, I don't know what it's like in the States, but it's you're almost perceived as a threat. If you say, I want to be a man and I want to embrace my masculinity, that's almost seen as a threat to people because they, they associate that bizarrely in my mind with, right, well, that means that you want to... You know, you want to have this patriarchy where women aren't allowed to have jobs and, you know, any of this kind of stuff. I'm like, no, it's it's the, the total opposite of that. I want to be a man because then I can be happy. And when I'm happy, because I know, dude, when I'm not happy, I'm a bastard. And like, I think most people are. And like, I'm, I, I might deliberately sink your project because I'm unhappy, you know. I'm certainly not going to be contributing to community or anything like that. But if I get to be a man and I get to be happy and in my soul... I am full, then I'm going to be walking down the street with a skip in my step. And it's like anything I can do to help other people, I am. You wouldn't be doing your podcast if you were unhappy and if you were miserable and not being who you are. I wouldn't be doing mine. People benefit off the back of what we're doing. And um, it's something like my, my youngest brother, his, he is of the kind of the generation where I, they've been taught to fear masculinity and, and, and to treat it like an enemy. How do we get people to see that it, everybody wins if we embrace masculinity as men? Not everybody will see it until they experience a hardship. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Life is easy. You know, you're cold, you turn up the heat, you're hot, you turn on the air conditioning. You want to get from point A to point B, you hop in that little electric and gas-powered car and you get from point A to point B in, an, in a very short period of time, something that took our ancestors days, months, years, lifetimes to get to, and you can get there in a matter of hours. Life is eat. You're hungry. You go down to the convenience store, the grocery store. Somebody has also already done all the hard work for you. It's very convenient. It's very nice. It's very nice. And so the only reason people can say they fear masculinity is because men have created an environment that allows them to speak what's on their mind. <laughs> That's it. For some people, it's going to take a seriously dangerous situation for them not to fear masculinity. Because what's going to happen when they're dealt with a violent encounter or a natural disaster or an emergency or some other sort of threat, a man is going to step up and serve them. And then they're going to realize that men aren't the enemy. Men are actually the answer. But we can't see that in a society where men have created all the luxuries that we enjoy. And that's not to diminish what women do. By the way, women, beautiful creatures, do amazing things. I think women, gen I'm just speaking generalities here. Women are very, very good at taking raw resources and refining them into something beautiful and something useful. Men are good at pr providing the raw resources. You need meat, here's meat. Now you cook it. 
you need me to fertilize your egg? Here, I'll fertilize your egg. Now you incubate it for nine months and turn it into this amazing creature that we call human beings. Women are very good at taking resources and refining them and honing them and massaging and manipulating and tweaking and nourishing to create these beautiful things. And men, we are the raw ingredients. Here we go. Here's what you need. You need wood. You need food. You need shelter. You need sperm. You need whatever. Here you go. Do with it what you as women do. And that's why men and women work so well together is because we're good at different things. None are, neither are more important than the other. Both are necessary, but we bring different things to the table. Yeah, it's a partnership. It's it's a it's a partnership. And look, um, you know, I I I think that, like you said earlier, I believe that there's there are societal constructs. But guess what? They're there because they were already existing in nature. Um, and one of the things that I would ask anybody that's having a hard time agreeing with this to to think about is, if men were tr- if masculine men were truly the evil people that they're supposed to be. Then why would we be? Why would women be? Um, would 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 have the equal opportunities now that they do? Because it's not down to physical strength. If men, if we were talking about men being these bestial people that they're portrayed to be by, I would say, uh, quote unquote, the left um, or the far left. You know, if we were those te- those terrible people, we have the muscle and the might to to basically dominate and impose our will. We don't. So isn't that the evidence? that it's not like masculinity is not to be feared in fact masculinity and men are the ones that have built these again quote-unquote constructs that enable people to live side by side now and have equal opportunities I, i i find it very hard that these people have the evidence in front of their eyes is that men are like oh you know what we are the stronger of the we are the stronger of the genders but you know what we equally value you and let's therefore let's all have equal opportunities we don't have to do that the the fact is that men are physically strong enough to if we you and I could walk around now and if we saw a woman walking down the street we could do whatever we wanted to that woman that is the absolute fact of it um is that a nice reality no but as we said before nature doesn't give a fuck and we are a part of nature now there are some men who um who who do that kind of behavior but i think Ryan and i would both argue that those are not men they may have a fucking dick between their legs but that is not a man someone that carries out that kind of behavior a rapist is not a man because as Ryan has said a man protects and by definition you can't be a rapist and protect people that's not the same thing so masculinity is not to be feared in fact i'd say if anything it's these people who are outside of masculinity are the ones that that, that are the ones that create all this damage to society i agree and it's going to be the men who stand up to it you know, when these these atrocities are committed against individuals, it's always the men who go up and step up and put themselves at risk and potentially lose their lives in order to defend and protect and do what it is that we do as men. It's always the men. Now, there's outliers. There's exceptions to the rule. But generally speaking, it's the men. And when shit hits the fan, who do people look to? They look to men because it works. Because this is how we've evolved and this is how we've grown. And again, that does not diminish the woman's role. It just means it's different. And that's it. Equally as important, different in nature. And I think you and I both agree as well that there are women out there who are masculine and who will perform what 
Like so, I think sure. let, let's talk about. But that doesn't make them men either. Right, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so go ahead. Can you just expand on that for people? Because I think that's because some some people will be talking about. Well, what about this woman I know who did such and such? So. Right, and that's wonderful. That's great. But the exception doesn't disprove the rule. There's always exceptions. You you tell me one thing, I can find an exception for everything. But does that mean like like for example, if I said human beings have ten fingers, well, my grandfather. Uh, chopped off his two, my wife's grandfather, I should say, chopped off his two fingers when he was young. He had just two ch- fingers chopped off. So now he's got eight digits. Does that mean humans uh, don't have 10 fingers? <laughs> no, it just means that he chopped off two of his fingers and that's the exception. But that doesn't mean that human beings have eight fi- fingers. Human beings still have 10 fingers, right? So the exception doesn't disprove the rule. And if there is an exception, great. So a woman did this heroic thing that required uh, this incredible feat of physical strength. That's not bad or wrong. That's wonderful. And it's also masculine. So she exhibited masculinity. She's still a woman. There are some men who are very feminine. And I would suggest that that individual, if he's protecting and providing and presiding, I know men in my life who are very feminine nature, and yet they're great protectors. They're great providers. They lead well. They're friendly. They're helpful. They lead their families these are men might be more feminine in their characteristics or qualities, but they're doing everything that's required of a man, a man, excuse me. And so, um, yeah, I don't think we need to, to like clamor for excuses or exceptions in order to prove that what you and I are saying is, is wrong. It, it just is what it is. And that's great. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. You know, you know, what, bro, like, honestly, I think that we get a, you know, I'm sure you're probably the same way because of we're curious people. We want to learn. We we listen to a lot of podcasts. We read a lot. Um, so sometimes, and we've and, and new ideas interest me as well. You know, I'm sure that they are to to you. So, I, you know, if there's there's a if there's a new kind of way of thinking coming into the world, I want to know about it. It, it interests me, and I think that sometimes. You know, we can be led to, if you spend a lot of time on, like you mentioned, Twitter earlier, if you're on Twitter, you might be thinking like, oh my God, there's so many people now who think that blah, 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 blah. But when you actually get into the real world and you actually just talk to people in a pub or a bar, wherever, the majority of people believe that men and women are different. Of course. The men, and, the, the men and women are The majority of people think that way because that's how they think. And it's not because they got to... That's just how they think. And and I, I think I'm definitely guilty of this. Sometimes I think that... I'm like, oh my God, they're coming for our masculinity. <laughs> but it's it's not... It's Most people are like, hey, oh, you're, you're, you're helping men to be men? Well, that's great. Most people don't see that as an attack. It, and, but how do you... Like, because... I. I can't imagine the amount that you must get because you've got a podcast called Order of Man. You're active on social media and you've been doing it for a while. Oh, and by the way, you're successful, which a lot of people do not like because people are some like nasty people do not like successful people. Successful people like successful people. Yes, exactly. And th- and, and that's why you'll never get tr- if you you'll never get someone trolling someone. Well, maybe sometimes it can be funny, but generally trolls are not uh, yeah, successful but that's different people. Than trolling someone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what what I want to know is how do you deal with um like how, how do you deal with criticism and like let's call it trolling slash um you know just just people generally attacking you or your character or maybe even like the bigger pick maybe even family and stuff like how do you deal with that kind of thing online well the first thing i would say and i'm i'm very i i, I try to be very careful about the verbiage we use cuz words are important i don't i don't 
consider what most people would consider an attack or an assault as as an attack or an assault. Like if somebody says to me, you're an idiot, I don't consider that a verbal attack or an assault. Some people would. I don't. You can't assault somebody with your words. Like it, 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 Unless you're actively calling for violence, you're not attacking or assaulting me okay so what would what would you call it they're just sharing your opinion your perspective <laughs> okay so let, let's 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 use that then so if you get neg like negative opinions um negative opinions um about your about your work or, or or you know that kind of thing like how how have you do you do have you always dealt with it the same way or is it something you've got better with um and, and do you I, i'm assuming i'm assuming you get like a lot of it i could be you know i might be totally wrong here i'm just assuming Maybe not a lot not a lot. I mean, people agree with what we're doing. They believe in what we're doing. I think we've done a pretty good job at it. So I don't get a lot, but the people that don't agree with what I'm saying, that's fine. I'll actually listen. If somebody disagrees with what I'm saying and they have a an intelligent perspective or thought on it, I'm like, cool. Yeah, share it with me. I'd love to hear and, and I'll consider it. Like I, I genuinely consider it, you know, but I ask myself two questions. Is this person credible? Okay. If, if it's just some rando spouting off online, that that undermines your credibility. Why would I listen to that? And And the second question is, are they right? That's it. Is this person credible and are they right? And if I can answer those two questions in the affirmative, then maybe I ought to pay attention to, to varying degrees, but maybe I ought to pay attention. I, and I'm not great at this, you know, because even things that say, people say that are negative about me um, still get to me personally, but okay, cool. So you don't see it the same way I do. Drive on, unfollow, go build your own thing, like order of the way that you view the world <laughs> instead of order of man. I don't, I don't care. Like I really don't. And people will try to try to convince me to, to, to prove to them why I'm right or why the, I'm the authority. I don't give a shit. If you listen, I don't, I don't care. So I'm not going to play your game and pretend that I need to like win you over. If you don't see it the same way I do drive on with your life. There's a lot of things I hear from people that I both respect and don't respect that I don't agree with. And I've never once been tempted to tell them how wrong they are. I'm like, I just don't agree with that guy. And then I drive on and find people that I agree with or that I admire or respect. And it's not even about disagreement. I have people that I admire and respect who I disagree with. That comes down to credibility and influence like I talked about earlier. Um, but yeah, I mean, I try to stay above that. And one thing I was thinking about, in fact, this morning is uh, when I get these types of negative criticisms um, I could either get sucked into the mud and, and I won't win there or I can elevate myself, you know? And so trying to become the best version of myself, I'm trying to lead men to lead their families and their businesses and their communities. And if I sound like a little bitch online, because some person said something, I'm actually getting into the mud with somebody else. And so there are certain things that I'm, I'm beginning to ignore. Like I'm not going to get into a debate because even if I make a good point, I just sound like a little dick and I'm not interested in that. I need to elevate myself so people see that, oh, Ryan isn't going to get sucked into the fray and Ryan is above this. And that's why we look to him for leadership. So yeah, if somebody sees something different, cool. If you think I'm an a-hole, then cool. Like just unfollow and go find somebody that resonates with you more deeply. That's fine with me. I don't need to win everybody over, just the right people. Yeah, I asked this dude because this is something like this is one area of my life. If you said like areas like which which areas do you need most improvement in? One of my areas of most improvement would be overreaction. Like I overreact to things still not as much as I used to. I haven't smashed furniture for a few years now, but like I used to. I got a lot of fucking fucked up furniture in the house because I used to overreact. Me too, man. And walls, I punch walls, and but you got to ask yourself, 
Are you the same immature little boy who responds like that? I remember when I was little, I remember vividly, me and my buddies were hanging out, we were riding bikes and I was at his house and I don't know what I got mad about, but I got mad and I literally picked up the guy's bike. My buddies, my friend, we were probably eight, nine years old and I picked it up and I threw it at his wall. Like I literally picked it up <laughs> over my head and threw it at his wall. Am I that same person? You know, I'm 30 years older. I, I hope that I'm not. I hope that I'm more mature and yet we prove very frequently that we're not much different than the eight-year-old boy who picks up his friend's bike and throws it at the wall like some idiot. So I, I do try to elevate myself and, and say, you know, I'm not going to punch that wall. I'm not going to break that furniture. I'm not going to throw that bike. I'm not going to get sucked into the mud with this a-hole. I'm going to put myself above the noise and above the nonsense and step into the calling of leader that I feel inspired and called to step into. Yeah, I think that's great advice for anybody, dude. Um, but like, it's again, it's that self-awareness to recognize that there is that eight-year-old in you still. And he comes out, and dude, he, like, <laughs> he comes out in me um, on social media sometimes. Someone will do it, and I'll, I'll be like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck you then. I'm going to fucking show you. Of course. And then five minutes, Who doesn't feel like yeah, that? Yeah, and then five minutes later, you're like, ah, I lost. I lost because I engaged. Um that's exactly right. And, uh, like, look, again, I'm saying this because I don't want people to think, like, um, you know, me and Ryan are saying that, like, oh, we don't do this stuff because, you know, I, I, I definitely... I we all do. Yeah, it. I definitely do. So, like, but understand that people listening, that whenever you engage with people like that, you're, you're, you lose. You lose every time. As soon as you engage with that, you know, you, you, you have lost. While we're on this... And also, I would say this. You don't, you don't lose to that person. Because that person mm. doesn't care about you at all. Mm. You know who you lose to? You lose to your family. You lose to your friends. You lose to people who were following you that were inspired by you, that did find you credible, that you had influence with, and now you tarnished and diminished that because you acted like a little baby instead of the man they were looking at you to be. You lose with the people you want to inspire, not with the random troll who might even be a bot. Yeah, might well. That's a good point. You might even be arguing against fucking Skynet and fucking doing exactly. it. But no, dude, I I, t I totally agree. And that's I'm trying to like if there's one area in, in uh, over the next year that I really want to improve in, that it's it's that one because I looked at back at what I posted over the last few months because I get angry a lot, dude. Like like I get angry at government mostly. Um, well, mostly I get angry at government. But you've got to look and say, what is this? How is this serving me? And how is it serving other people? You know, and, and, and it just, it isn't. One of the things I want to thank you for, um, actually, while we're on the subject of this, um, on podcasting and stuff, is um, you made a post once which showed the peaks and troughs of your, like, downloads and things. And the post was about how you, like, you know, how you didn't give up on, did you want to give up at points? Of course you did. And I want to thank you for doing that, dude, because every time, like, I've had an up and down with a podcast now, that's, you know when you have a memory attached to a thought? Whenever I have that thought now of, oh, God, we're on a downhill thing, I always remember that post. So I want to thank you for that. Can you talk us through about, um, talk us through, like, how uh, how you've come to have, you know, resilience with the the project because you've got some great stories about you know your first, um, your you know your, the first time you put a live event on and that kind of thing. So can you just talk talk us through like your journey about like building order of man and 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 how, what you're kind of learning from it? Yeah, again, I go back to that thing is that I'm just not good enough yet, right? Like so, we we are so entitled, right? We think that 
because we show up and we have these clever little phrases like showing up is half the battle. <laughs> no, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's it's like you're in the door now and now you actually have to work. Like you haven't even started working yet just by showing up. And these phrases are designed to make us feel comfortable with our complacency and our lack of results. But for me, it goes back to that question of you're not good enough yet. And what gives me the right to feel entitled to the result that somebody else has created through years and years of toil and blood and sweat and tears? So when I think to myself, well, I can't beat this guy at jujitsu, it's because I'm not good enough yet. I don't attach that to my worth. I just say I'm not good enough yet. So I got to get better. When my podcast downloads aren't what they want to be, I think to myself, I'm just not good enough yet. I haven't been around long enough. I, ha I haven't developed my skills enough yet. Or when I see other people achieving financial success or health ambitions and goals, I just think to myself, I'm not good enough yet. And I will be. And here's what I need to learn. So when I see people, and it's easy. I mean, it's super easy to look at people that have been successful and think, well, I don't, why don't I have what he has? The answer is simple. You haven't done what he did. He's done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like there's, there's nothing else to it. So you can either embrace what that individual has done and do it for yourself. Or you can say, I'm not interested in that. You know, I look at guys that I used to be hyper, hyper inspired by, and I would compare myself to these individuals. And I started to analyze as objectively as possible what they've accomplished. And I thought to myself, I'm actually not willing to pay that price. And I've come to terms with that. You know, there's other people who have had six, extremely more successful podcasts and businesses than I have. And then I look at what they've done and I think to myself, I'm, I'm not actually willing to invest that because I want to throttle back and spend more time with my family. And I've become okay with that because I know what my goals and desires and ambitions are. So you talked about that first failed event that I ran close to five years ago. Now we just for a little context, we set up an event and I think we got two or three weeks out from the event and I didn't have a single person sign up. I didn't say, oh, I'm horrible and I'm bad and people don't like me. <laughs> I didn't do that. I just said, okay, well, that didn't work. <laughs> so maybe I should try something different. <laughs> I detached my sense of value and worth from the experience and then I went back to the drawing board and I talked to a couple of guys and I learned how to market and I did it a little different. I set up the funnels and the digital technology and we had 20 guys come to that next event that I put out there and we call ourselves the terrible 20. But if I would have cried and complained and griped and called my mommy and said, how come I'm not good at this? Like I would have still, I would have still been, you know, stuck. And instead, it's like, okay, let's just go back to the drawing board. Let's look at this objectively, extract your own feelings from the situation or, or, or your, your desire to be liked by people and just evaluate it. Oh, you didn't explain to people what the event was about. It, were, it was overpriced or you didn't tell enough people about it or they got hung up at the paywall because you didn't set it up correctly and it couldn't accept credit cards. There's, there's all sorts of reasons why and none of it. Very little of it, I should say, has to do with you and your worth and who you are as a human as much as you're not quite there yet. So figure it out and get back into the fight and get after it. I saw something recently. I hope he's not listening because I don't want to like <laughs> slag anyone off. But it was basically saying it was a kind of like, a oh, well, you know what? I've seen these other projects do such and such, but my project started from zero. And I'm like, I kind of wanted to say to him, bro, everyone starts from zero. Like like Joe Rogan, like Joe Rogan. Let's use podcasts for an example. Joe Rogan started from zero with his podcast. Now 
the reason he's a hundred million dollars ahead of um, a podcast that makes no money is because he started before everyone else and he's done more work than everyone else. It's as simple as that. I better, yeah. He's, he's flat, better. He's flat out better. He's flat out better. <laughs> That's right? it. And um, dude, one of the things I I, I think is. You know, you see NFL Sundays. I fucking love the NFL. I love America, full stop. <laughs> and um, you're watching NFL Sundays and you're like, oh, wow, what it, what, it, what it must be to be like that guy on, on the field and who's get, catching the, the winning touchdown. That guy has put in probably 20 years of work at that point, turning it every day, getting his body beat several times a week. You know, he's going to walk with a limp for the rest of his life. He's going to be on painkillers for the rest of his life. That touchdown that you see in the Super Bowl... Is that guy's life has gone into that, and I, 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 I don't think we do a good enough job. And you can tell me if you think this is a deliberate thing or not of teaching people how much work needs to go into success. Because I feel like we go the opposite way. We say, "Oh, it's luck. It's who you know, not what you know." Fuck, fucking bullshit. Who you know, not what you know. Is this a, like, what is this? Is it a deliberate thing or, or, or what? Like, why are we taught stuff like that? It's a dangerous game to diminish the results of other people. Because what you do, if you just say it's luck, Joe Rogan's that way because it's lucky. Then what you're assigning success to is a result of luck, not hard work. Even if it's right or wrong, it's a dangerous game because now what you're saying and telling yourself is that you won't be successful until you're lucky. And so you handcuff yourself and you think that it doesn't require hard work. It just requires luck. So at some point, something will happen out of just some miraculous circumstances. And I'm just waiting for my ship to arrive and then I'll have success. So don't ever knock or diminish. You know, you look at Joe Rogan or Tom Brady. Oh, well, Tom Brady, he's just this athlete or whatever. Okay, maybe. But also I know plenty of athletes who have never amounted to much in their life by way of professional sports. So it isn't just that he's a, an incredible athlete. It's that he has done the right things. He's put in time and effort and commitment and learning and studying and training. And you can have that too if you do what he does. So it is an exercise in writing away your poor performance. And I'm not going to say it's entirely conscious. I think in a lot of ways it's subconscious, but it is an effort to excuse away your lack of results oh, well, the only reason that he has this podcast is because he got lucky. And what you're simultaneously saying is the only reason I'm not a successful podcast is because I'm not lucky. That's exact. That's what you're saying when you say that. And so you're either doing it consciously or subconsciously. And what you're doing is you're excusing away your lack of performance. So if you ever catch yourself saying, well, he just, or it's because, and you're assigning it to some random stroke of luck or fortune or circumstances, then you're selling yourself short and you're keeping yourself from the results that you could potentially produce. If you acknowledge that Joe Rogan is a hard ass worker. If Tom Brady, although I would say naturally talented and gifted has still put in a boatload of work more than probably most human beings can ever imagine towards the pursuit of his ambitions. And then you start to acknowledge the reality of your situation, which is it's going to take more work and effort than you think it will. Yeah, I, and I want people to to understand that. And if there's one thing that I think, um, you know, because I'm, you know, like a big fan of Andy and, and I always big Andy up and that's how I've come to, you know, I've come to you and I've come to all these other great podcasts, Ed's podcast, all these other podcasts. It's, you know, 
The people that care about you will tell you that it will take work. Those are the people that care about you, right? Yeah, because they they want to they want to paint a realistic picture. They don't want to be delusional, and they don't want you to be delusional either. And again, this all comes back down to it. Really does. It comes back down to the participation trophy thing. It's like because we know we got parents listening, and I know that a lot of you are probably getting. You know, you you probably want your kids to be competitive at school, and you got to deal with the other. You know, you got to deal with the other um, the, the teachers and the other parents and stuff. But look, at the end of the day, man, your responsibility is to your kids. So you know, you if 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 you agree with what me and Ryan are saying then you you need to stand up for them dude I wanted to like well one all I'll say is I really enjoyed your COVID agenda uh, podcast I'm a basically I second everything that you say on there um we got to wrap it up soon so we won't go too deep into COVID but I, what, I, what I do want to get into though is one little story in there that I, I thought was really beneficial um, like be beneficial for people to hear is can you tell people how you dealt with it when you went into a store and they asked you to put a mask on yeah I, I was a little frustrated because in the in the um I mean, everybody's going to ask you, not everybody, but a lot of stores are going to ask you for, to wear a mask. But this particular store, I went into this convenience store and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And they wanted my wife and I to wear masks. And out front were these signs that are like America and freedoms and Second Amendment rights. And I'm like, what about all your signs there about how badass you are? And you're blaming your mandatory mask mandate on the government? Look, if you're a store and you decide that you want people to mask in your store and socially distance, I can actually respect that. That's your prerogative. You can decide you're a store. You make your own decisions. But don't blame it on somebody else if something is against your will. Like just stand up and have some balls. So I just said, all right, thanks. And I got in the car with my wife and we drove down a quarter of a mile down the road and we went into the other store and nobody said a thing about our masks. So for me, I just, I, I patronize the stores who... I believe in that. I think that are are doing the right things. And again, if a store decides on their own that they don't want people in there without masks, fine, great. But I get to make a decision too, and I have a say in the matter. And I think that these these individuals and these businesses who are you know feeling so much pressure from the government in the wake of fines and everything else ought to feel some of the pressure from their potential patrons. There's a store I don't even go to anymore because they they made a scene about me not wearing a mask. I'm like, cool, then I just won't patronize your store and I'll spend my money somewhere else and I'm going to vote with my dollars. And that's one of the beauty the beauties of of this country that we live in. And some people will say, oh, well, it's selfish. No, you know what's selfish is to tell everybody that they need to close their businesses or they need to limit their income. Uh, if you're scared or anxious or nervous or skeptical or whatever about COVID, then you stay at home. You That's, that's selfless. You stay at home. And let everybody else live the way that they want to live. Well, Ryan, you could infect other people. Those people don't have to be out in public. You can shop on Amazon. You can get things delivered to you. You can do the drive-in thing or whatever. But like, it's selfish to think that just because you want to go out, that everybody else has to acquiesce to your request. That's where I come from. Yeah, and dude, what I liked about that story was that you were like, hey, you know what? I've got the right to make a decision to not wear a mask. You have the right to decision to tell me not to come in your store. Of course. That's like, that's it. That's it, dude. It's like, you've got your right. I've got my right. Great. Let's, we, there's no need to argue. We can be pleasant. I say, no problem. Have a great day. And that's why I really liked your story, dude. Because, you know, like, if they, they, they have the right to do their thing just as much as you do yours. And that's how it should fucking be. It should not be difficult to have that happen. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go into a store and say, you, I, I don't want to wear a mask <laughs> and like, yep. like fight with their people and their security. Like, why would I even want to do business with that? 
if they're they're doing something I don't agree with. So no, I'm not going to fight with people. That's that's a waste of time. Um, and on, I'm, I'm going to cut that there because otherwise we're going to go. I could go down the COVID rabbit hole for hours. <laughs> <laughs> we've 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 yeah. got to wrap this up. So could I. We, well, I do. We'll have to do it. anytime you want to talk COVID. Please come on the podcast. Um, but and, and <laughs> COVID and liberty, two of my favorite subjects. Um, but uh, I want to I want to wrap this up and um. What, basically, what I want to know is really is what do you have? Um, what, what what do you have planned for Order of the Man coming up over the next year? And where can people get involved? And any basically final thoughts for the audience? Yeah, I mean, just it's, you're listening to a podcast, so you can check out our podcast wherever you're listening to this one. Order of Man is what it's called. You can go to our website, orderofman.com. You can connect with me. I'm very active on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm doing a little bit more on Parlor lately. All at Ryan Mickler. Um, but yeah, outside of that, uh, we've got events coming up next year. We've got a lot of new merchandise in the store. We're having some great guests on the podcast. Like things are going really well and we're going to do more of the same or we're going to continue driving on. So, you know, I, I appreciate the support and the, the way that the mission to reclaim and restore masculinity is growing. Um, I, you know, I take some credit for that. We've done a good job and some of it is outside of my hands and I feel like we just stepped into the right situation at the right time. And I'm grateful to have the opportunity and the, the privilege of being able to share a message that I feel is important. That's a, that's a great blessing that I didn't have to earn that I'm just the recipient of. So I, I think we owe it to the people who did earn that for us uh, to honor those commitments and to live a good life the way that uh, we see fit. Guys, thank you for listening today. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, mate. It was a real pleasure. Good to uh, good to be able to have a chat after uh, after coming across you a few years ago on Andy's podcast. And also, Andy, thanks for putting us in touch. Uh, all the links you need to connect with Ryan are down in the show notes, guys, including links to his Amazon page. Please go and check out that that out. And just going forward this year, you know, if you if you take value from the guests that we have on, please get behind them. Please support them. Whether that's going on social media and sharing one of their posts telling a friend about them, buying a book, going to one of their events. Um, we are a community. We are the veteran community, the greatest of all communities. So, you know, let's support each other. If you enjoy a guest, support the guest. Pretty simple and pretty fair, I think we can agree on. Because without them, there is no podcast. Simple as that. All right, guys. Remember, we doubled audience size in 2020. Let's triple it in 2021. Please get sharing. Please get telling your friends. Uh, I'll be back on Monday with another great guest. If you like Vikings, then you're going to be in the right place. I'll catch you next time. I love you. Bye. You told me not to worry and you wouldn't break my heart. You told me you were sorry and yeah, my whole world fell apart. You said it's not my fault and yeah, I've never done you wrong. I'm grinding to a halt now I can see you're moving on. I promised I'd get better and I told you things would change. You keep me to the gutter, yeah, I'll never be the same. I've got to let you go now, live your life and spread your wings and yeah, you put on quite a show and pulled the puppet strings and are you sure that you don't want me? Remember all the pain or maybe you should thank me. It's your loss and my gain. I'm Leaving now forever, I won't hang my head in shame But yeah, you've taken me for granted, and you should feel ashamed You sold a dream to all of us, a dream that we'd all die for A reason for us all to live and something we could fight for I might just help a man up to his feet or hold a newborn But no matter what I do, my hands remembering my rifle, yeah Life's hard, I know that, still wouldn't change shit I wouldn't go back, yeah, I wouldn't go back Feelings I hold back Memories fade, yeah, they go fast, yeah, they go fast Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah, I suppose Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah, I suppose